0: Hi there, and welcome to the Interiors Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Neufeld Flanagan, expat and interior designer based in Dublin, Ireland. This show is all about informing and inspiring you, homeowners and renters in Ireland, on all things around property, housing, and home, from self building to choosing flooring. In each episode, we interview industry experts and homeowners to give you practical advice and the motivation to create and elevate your spaces.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Interiors Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Newfeld flanagan And today I have with me, Susan McGowan of Ashen and Cloud, who you may know as a leading interior designer here in Ireland. Welcome, Susan. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for, for joining me today. So we connected a, a few months ago and we've been going back and forth on what to talk about. You have a beautiful, really refined Kind of cosmopolitan aesthetic. And I've been following you on Instagram for for years. And so it's kind of tricky to decide what to discuss. But something you brought up was how to help clients avoid a bland aesthetic. Yeah. Um, So I'd love to dive into that today. And I know you're going to tell us a little bit about some of the projects you're currently working on. Um, And I think that's going to be really helpful for anyone either facing um, a renovation or a redecoration by themselves or looking to work with an interior designer. So tell me more about this this problem of bland interiors as you see it.
2: Yeah, I guess I think the trap that we we might fall into when we're decorating our homes is that it feels very, very overwhelming um, and people don't know where to start with it. Um, So all of the choices that they make end up being safe choices in inverted commas. And with that, then, um, if every choice becomes safe, we end up with a somewhat bland aesthetic, really. Um, and th- and there's no way to avoid that because it lacks um, character. It lacks a little bit of definition. It, la- it lacks interest. And that doesn't mean that a neutral interior has to be a bland one. It just means that there's not enough layers maybe in a, in a neutral interior to make it interesting or to have that depth of tone, depth of character. And so yeah, I think that people often just get a little bit bogged down in simple things, you know, simple mm-hmm. things like paint choices, fabric for sofas, what's going to work, what's not going to work, and they, they end up just chickening out for one for one <laughs> a better word um of of some of the opportunity areas that may have added this little bit of special item or special character that that's necessary you know if every choice we make is safe we're going to kind of head down the wrong route and i think people end up contacting us or contacting other interior design professionals um a little bit down the line when they've gone past this process you know and and they they're just dissatisfied they're like it just doesn't have what i want i don't feel right in this room you know what can i do here to improve the space i mean i think it's it's always good to get some sort of advice before you embark on a project because then you can avoid some of that and often the answers to the niggling questions are quite simple for somebody like us to answer so it's it's worth it i think i think it's worth getting some sort of advice so that you can um, have the courage of your convictions and and get the type of space that you really do want.
1: And I know one thing you've told me before, I know, I guess we're, we're jumping straight into it, but your background has made you approach each project in quite a unique way. So maybe take a slight detour and tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about your own background and where you you gained most of your experience, because I think that's going to be quite informative as we um, help people.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, I was I was about twenty three when I started to embark upon design as a serious career. I think I was always sort of creative. It was either music or design for me. It was always that side of the brain. And I actually I was involved in music for quite a number of years um, immediately after starting school, which sort of delayed going to college until I was 23. But I was fully committed. I think that was one of the good things about being a little bit more mature as a student. I was fully committed when I when I did go to study. So I did very well at college and I really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. I studied in Griffith College, studied interior architecture. And from the get-go, I also kind of had decided once I started college, that I wanted to work immediately in the industry as well, because I was actually studying part-time. So I started working for an architecture firm in Dublin, quite a large commercial firm. And I think that, you know, that just big firm thinking, that big firm processes, that really sort of was the start of my design ethos development, I guess, and and how you approach projects and that sort of thing. So from the get-go, we were working with big brands, big projects, And and it was always about the client, you know, it wasn't about what's your design style. Um, I think we would always have design principles. And I think your kind of personal design principles evolve um, with the more experience you gain in design. But I think it was always about the client, you know, whether it be a brand, a a hotel, a corporate company, whatever the case may be. We were always trying to kind of get to the core of who they were and, and how we can translate that into a physical interior space. So I think when it came to, you know, changing to residential design, which actually I'd never really worked in until I set up my own company, <laughs> that, that was all I really knew. You know, it was like, OK, let's talk about you um, what do you want from your home? Let's let's figure that out. Let's let's do visioning. Let's do brainstorming. And and a lot of those principles that if you come from that sort of commercial background, you'd be used to spending a lot of time with your clients to garner who they are and to vision what their space should be. I do that with my residential clients and therefore every project is ultimately different.
1: Yeah. So you're creating a a bespoke design style each time, which I think is quite unusual in the residential space. Oftentimes, private consumers will go to a designer for a style because they see something and they're like, I want that. And instead people are coming to you because they're like, they see the variety of things you do and they're coming to you maybe for, for those design principles, the detailing and the expertise to create something bespoke from your kind of, from your toolkit.
2: Yeah, exactly, and um, that that might not be um, very apparent, I guess. Even if you go onto Instagram, maybe you'd kind of have mm-hmm. to dig a little deeper onto you know website portfolio and that sort of thing to really see that. Yeah, but yeah, that it, that is the way it is. Like our projects are very different, and I think that everybody on the team, um, and there's there's six of us now. We we all it really enjoy the variety, you know, and it forces you to you know research. It forces you to come up with the new ideas. It's not a revision of the same thing or or a permutation of the same thing. We really enjoy creating new and different things. Now I, I think what does happen in residential design is that y- you ultimately kind of fall within a couple of different categories. Mm-hmm. And, and what I think they are is you you either want contemporary design and a contemporary design is fabulous. We love detail con- contemporary homes because the detail is so important. Every single thing matters in a in a contemporary home because there's no hiding from it. So the challenge there is how to make Make that sharp detailing, I suppose, soft. How to make it feel like a family home, how to make how do people feel comfortable in this space and rested in this space whilst being in the environs of this kind of sharp, super pernickety detail, I guess. So that's kind of one one group. The next group I think is sort of the um contemporary modern home, but they they like character, they like detail. So they kind of fall in the middle. I sort of call it the hybrid sort of category um, where, where they like coving or they might like a uh, mobile detail and that sort of thing. So sure, they want contemporary aesthetic, but they also like detail. So that's, I think, where my house is, you know, my own house, some people might know it from from Instagram. And um, a lot of people I think would come to us for that sort of hybrid style. And then the third one then is the, um, the skill of refurbishing, you know, and, and that's a very specialist thing. So whether it's conservation, whether it's renovation and extension, or whether it's just plan optimization um, of an existing footprint to make it suitable for modern day family life, you know, that's, that, that's the other one that becomes very interesting because then you're merging styles, you're, you're merging very specific styles and it might be a yin yang. Um, It might be that, um, like, for example, we're working on a farmhouse at the moment um, down in Kerry and we're working with a Canadian, um, lovely Canadian architectural firm and an Irish architect within that firm. He designed a really contemporary, interesting annex to this old, old farmhouse overlooking uh, the beautiful Atlantic Sea. So it's really interesting. We really kind of bedded in with them um, how to make this architecturally correct for the space. How do we merge a farmhouse mm-hmm. and a very sharp contemporary sort of annex to it? So, you know, we use things like traditional materials in the contemporary part. We're using lime wash and um, walls and that sort of thing. And just bringing some of the, the colours of the um, surrounding environment um, into the space, you know, the rusts of the hay sheds round um, they're, they're brought into it and it just has become such a joy of a project to work on we're actually almost finished it now but yeah it's it's a very exciting one it's really beautiful it's all come together clients were really bought into it and trusted the professionals that they had you know employed really to work on it and, and and really went with the ideas so beautiful natural materials beautiful kind of conceptual realization of a farmhouse merging with something contemporary. And it's going to be a really
1: beautiful project. Oh, I can't wait to see those photos. So something, this whole aspect of really bringing it down to the client, mm-hmm. I think that really relates to the avoiding of bland interiors. Because I think when people aren't designers and they aren't, you know, maybe they're not particularly into architectural history, people really tend to classify their own styles really narrowly, yeah. I find. So they're like, oh, I'm really modern, but there's a million ways to be modern and modern doesn't, they mean contemporary. And there's a million different ways to be that way. And, and so they're like, oh, either I'm modern or I'm classic, or I like a little bit of both. And it, it's really hard for them to translate that. Yeah. So they might just go to somebody that they like, but isn't quite hundred percent them. And then it, it could end up a little limited. Whereas if you start from scratch, you're not, you don't have to be limited by the few terms you might know about architectural styles and you can create something a little more, a little more interesting. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit for let's let's talk about the the Irish farmhouse, for example. Yeah. I can sort of see in my head a little bit what like the shape of the extension and the materials, but how did you then translate that into furniture and finishes yeah. and does do the furniture and finishes does the style differ in, in the modern part versus the old part? How did you develop that with the client?
2: Yeah, it was really interesting. I really enjoyed the process from the whole from the, from the start, actually, because when once we sort of decided, OK, this farmhouse is really important, this needs to be imbued within the entire space. And um, it was almost like you create a set of rules that you follow and you can make all decisions based off that. So I think you're right in what you say, that people try to pigeonhole their style an awful lot. And, and I think that that's the wrong thing to do. I mean, you know, don't kind of pigeon yourself into, oh, I love Hampton style or I love this sort of style. I, I think yeah. that it's actually the um, merging of styles that give you this unique aesthetic, you know, so. Don't try to label too much, instead try to let the project flow. So in this sort of case, we decided that we obviously wanted to keep as much in the original farmhouse as possible. And we wanted to then imbue the new contemporary annex with appropriate farmhouse nods or um, inspirations, I suppose, that were that we're going to work within the space. So using the lime wash, paint and render and all of that, that that was important. But that did translate through to the furniture as well. So for example, We decided we were going to use really rustic furniture in Dabble it. I mean, a a Dabble antique furniture that was. So, we have a, a French farmhouse refectory table that's like three and a half meters long that we sourced from France. And that's the dining table. And that's in the midst of a really sharply detailed bronze kitchen. A contemporary wow. space with you know beautiful oak veneer um, joinery and right in the middle of that we've got this rustic farmhouse bolt out of the blue table you know so that is our little nod there and I think those sort of things continue through the space you know whether it be through art whether it through through a furniture style, um, but we made a conscious decision to to bring something rustic in every now and then, everywhere the space needed it, and it's really a sprinkle. It's like sprinkling salt yeah. salt on your dinner, you know. It's um, yeah. it's a sprinkle. I think if you it, you ne- this needs to be a light touch, and I think a lot of people are quite familiar with using like mid century um, sideboards and um, design pieces in their homes or and antique pieces, but I I think you have to be light handed with this sort of thing in, in a, in a new house, you know, if you have too much of it, it starts to feel like you just brought your old house into your new house, you know, or that sort of thing. So um, sprinkle of salt is kind of the way I would um, <laughs> describe it. And I think it's a really good tool to add character, add um, depth, you know, depth and, and real flavor to the design without, without compromising its contemporary nature or its modern, modern nature, I guess.
1: Yeah. And I think it's also important to just add a sprinkle because there's always tradeoffs. Like in the, a dining table is a perfect place to, to use it. But sometimes, if you want like, oh, maybe like a freestanding wardrobe or China cabinet, you, it might not be as practical as what the what we use nowadays. Yeah. So if you went the full loose furniture antique route, you're going to maybe lose on some of the practicality yeah. that you're you may require of of every square meter.
2: Absolutely, and I think I mean that's the beauty when you have a contemporary extension onto something that has kind of original character, and um, that you can you can dot it here and there, and it feels right. We might approach it totally different if this was a Georgian renovation with no extension. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe everything we want to put in that space might be contemporary for whatever reason, with just a very small, maybe antique um, bedside table or something like that. There's a real sweet spot there because I I would always say, you know, 2023 matters. You know, this time matters. It's not about being true to to the whatever period that you're in design style yes that's important but 2023 is also important so how is that represented in this space you know so we would always kind of fight fight for that too to have um to have the now uh, represented
1: yeah I always like to say like now is the history of the future yeah absolutely absolutely because someday whoever has your house in 50 70 100 years will be like oh, this was like early 20s style. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It was neo-mid-century modern. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and, and, you know, those um, converging design styles and, you know, those tensions, I guess, are going to be the interest of the future. Like, look how they merge 2023 with um, 1920 or whatever they, mm-hmm. this, this style may be. And there'll be some other iteration that will be important of that time. But it, it is important, I think, to establish the sense of now in every project.
1: Mm. So I think the, I want to go back to the kitchen you mentioned. You mentioned a bronze kitchen in this farmhouse. Mm. I want to know more about this because I think the kitchen is a space, another one where people don't maybe let their creative juices flow enough because they've yeah. seen a couple styles and they're like, I like that. Let's do that. Let's go with it. But there's so many ways you can make a kitchen really unique. And it is the place where the interiors and the architecture meet. And it kind of defines yeah. the blueprint for, for a lot of the joinery throughout. So tell us more about the this bronze kitchen.
2: Yeah, it's fabulous. It's not technically bronze. It's yeah. a bronze lacquer kind of sprayed oh, material. and. Cool. Um, so a company in Dublin, Vita Italiana are producing it and it's it's a fabulous material. It's really nice. It's going to be a real showstopper. But you have to have the right project for that sort of thing, you know, and it has to be the showpiece. It has to be the thing that's important in the space. I mean, there's other times where we would just do a white kitchen because that's the right thing to do for the project and yeah. the kitchen doesn't become this huge design statement one thing i i you know i think everybody can see on social media and, and in design trends now is that kitchen is probably the thing that people obsess the most about you know mm-hmm. it's just such a huge thing at the moment a, a a bespoke kitchen and and everybody has their dream of what, what they might like but I guess, you know, what I'm careful of and I think everybody should be careful of is that you can really over detail these ty- types of spaces and it, okay. it, it can become a bit of a hodgepodge if you're not careful. So I, I think a little bit of restraint on merging too many styles in a kitchen. Sometimes the simple solution is there, is the right thing. And and like this with the bronze kitchen, we just did a bronze kitchen. <laughs> you know, It's actually quite simple. It's, it, <laughs> it, it, it's enough in itself. You know, it yeah. doesn't need really anything else to make that jump off the, the wall, I suppose. And and it, there's a lot of design styles out there at the minute where there just ends up being a lot going on and it can feel like a headache. So I would say there's a time now to pull it back a little bit, to kind of go back to basics a little bit in in kitchen styles and not try to blend too many design styles into one, unless you really have the space to to make that come to life, I suppose, and you and you're careful about the detailing that, that it is going to be the showstopper and everything around it is a little bit more quiet to support that moment in, in the design, you know? Um, but it's, it's okay to, to kind of not have the showstopping kitchen as well. It's okay for the kitchen to be beautiful and functional and not kind of highly designed in detail.
1: Okay. What's like an example of somewhere you've, you've like helped someone pull back on the design? Like where it was starting to get too layered, because I think that that can be hard to visualize.
2: Yeah, I, I guess like it, like I can't think of a specific example where that might have happened of late, but I just think that that's something that people should think about editing. You know, in you know the way Coco Chanel or whatever that famous phrase was with "look in the mirror and take away one thing." It's yeah. kind of the same thing, and you know the. what's happening with Pinterest and Instagram and all of these, we become um, completely overexposed to so many different design styles and everything looks really nice. You know, everything is lovely and you can find yourself finding it really hard to determine what you really like because there's just so much choice and inspiration out there. So what I always do is it's process of elimination. It's very hard to pick what you think is the best design style or the nicest design style or the nicest group of design styles. Um, But it's easy to eliminate. So I will start, maybe you've got 10 images of your kind of kitchen that you'd um, really like, and they're all different details. You might have a tiled island um, interior or something, or you you might have glass cabinets, crittle doors, feature color, feature material, feature handles. There's just so many ways that you can kind of incorporate Mm -hmm. um, into a kitchen design. So what are we happy to lose? That's probably the the first thing that would do. Okay, there's too much here. What can you live without, or what's what what least resonates with you? And from there, things you know the the right answer becomes apparent. So you're able to take away. Okay, well maybe the tiling on the underside of the island is a, is a detail too much, or maybe I don't want to run the stone up the wall. Maybe it's just a little bit too busy for me, or something like that. So what? How can we edit? So just edit it, maybe down to two or three key design features that they're going to be. And one of the features might just be a color, and that's it. You know. Um, and then that becomes a defining thing. And from there, okay, what's going to support that? What's going to complement it? And we kind of move through the process in that way and it just gets refined. So I would just say that, just, you know, be careful of too many details.
1: Yeah, and I think, especially with the kitchen, your budget can help you refine it too. Yeah, <laughs> Like if yeah. you've got the, the feature range and a feature hood and a feature stone and absolutely the, the veneered internals, like just look at the most yeah. expensive items. <laughs> and then do the same yeah. thing you just did but <laughs> say okay which one matters to me the most
2: <laughs> exactly and and that's good it's it's a good process from for both your pocket and your house at the end will we'll both benefit from it
1: and I think it is something that takes time like I'm I'm working on a on a personal project right now but I started on it almost a year ago and the kitchen has evolved so much because yeah. all I, all I can do is just keep editing and editing and editing yeah. and then also just get somebody to look at it because people will give you honest feedback and, yeah. and and just tell them I'm I I'm not I love this and this but I'm just not sure and just show it to people who have a good eye and they'll tell you which one needs to go because you'll have an emotional attachment to it right
2: Absolutely. And I think that that's it's really important. Like I struggled designing my own house. You know, I, I, I didn't have anybody to bounce off. You know, my husband didn't care what I did. You know, it was sort of like, well, what do you think of that? Oh, well, you're the professional, whatever you think, you know. And I, I kind of really missed. I came from always working on a team, you know, yeah. design for me. And, and, I, and that's why I kind of didn't name the practice after myself, because I just thought it's just not representative of what design is. You know, mm. it's always a team effort. So Ashen and Cloud is a collective. And definitely not about me, more about us all. What we all contribute to um, to these projects, you know. So I think that you do need to sense check. We we all consult every day in in this studio here. What do you think about this? You know, am, am I am I going down? Am I overthinking this? Am I going down? You know, you do need to consult. You need to sense check. And and everybody, you can just look at things for too long, and you can't see the wood from the trees, really.
1: Yeah. So I'm just like jotting down some of the, some good takeaways that you shared. First of all, we, we talked about that you, what you see is oftentimes people will come to you after they've accidentally created a bland interior because at each step of the way, maybe they made the safe decision on each yeah. item. And a lot of this also has to do with the fact that people tend to pigeonhole themselves in a style, which can keep them yeah. kind of in these, these strict buckets and where you create that layered look is borrowing something a little here because actually you grew up in Southeast Asia and you brought in these like pieces of like Thai teak woodwork and you didn't bring that because you didn't see it on a Pinterest image and nobody helped you
0: or something like
1: that. And then you kind of helped us understand that most of the projects that you see here in Ireland fall into these, these buckets. So there's the kind of the pure contemporary, uh, in which case, there's a lot of minimalism, so the details have to have a lot of attention, but then you also have to find softness and practicality uh, for yeah. daily living. You've talked a little bit about the hybrid style where you like kind of contemporary lines and non-fussiness, but you do appreciate certain architectural details. And I think a lot of that is just the, the heritage living in Ireland, like the houses yeah. you see all the time. We're, we're used yeah. to that and, and love it. You don't want to abandon that altogether. You want skirting. You want architraves. And then the last one, which I think is is probably one of the most, just because of the housing crisis and the way that people have to stagger buying and then improving their homes is the extension. And that's yeah. the, the really di- most difficult one, I think. It's the, it's the merging of the old and new or the merging of like, I know your yeah. house was like a 50s bungalow and it's like, well, what style was that even, you know? <laughs> it's yeah. like- what do I have to pay homage to this style or do I get to create something yeah. altogether? We've talked a little bit about your Irish farmhouse and how you've kind of bringing in a sprinkling of antique and vintage can be really helpful where the, the styles and the architecture dictate it, but not doing too much there. And actually with kitchens, you find that's somewhere we, we need to show a little bit more restraint. So then- yeah. If the kitchen is a place where we need to have a little more restraint, where is somewhere you find people are making these blind decisions? I know you mentioned paint color and, and sofas. Walk me through this.
2: Yeah, I think that you've probably hit the nail on the head. I think people are, you know, they're not making bolder choices in furniture, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And that has a knock on. So they'd spend a lot of time maybe detailing their bathroom or their kitchen. um, And that's understandable because those are the decisions that are forced upon you when you're doing a renovation project. You know, you're forced to kind of get the items that require trades and fixings um, to be designed first. And so very often your budget for these areas and the thought that's that needs to go into these areas in order to make them what you see on Pinterest or what you see on Instagram, that that's forgotten about or it's or it's kicked down the line, kicked to the end, and there's no money for furniture or, you know, we'll do that, you know, in 10 years or five years or whatever the case may be. And that is the way it has to be for some people. Like building is, is that's the way it was for us when we mm. were building. You know, we're still working on our house. We're, we're moved in four years now and that's fine, but give it its due diligence Give it its d- design due diligence, I suppose. That's that's the important thing. It still needs to be considered. You need to give it the same amount of thought so that you would um, your bathroom or your kitchen or any other area of your home. And it's just a slightly different approach. It's what's the mix of the furniture here. Um, first of all, what what um, was the use of the room? Um, what mix of furniture is optimal? Um, who's going to use it? Um, how are we going to use it? How do we want to feel in this space? Is it the eight o'clock room where, you know, the kids are gone to bed and you just kind of open the doors and light a candle at eight o'clock and this is your private kind of resting space? Or is it the open plan area with, with, that everybody is going to share? So it needs to kind of have a multifunction. so it's it's those sort of questions and it's developing that into something that's um, that's important and it's not just the core furniture pieces then we've got artwork, we've got lamps, we've got lighting, and um, all of which are hugely important to determine the mood. But because those things seem like they can be kicked down the line, that they seem easy, they're just not thought about at this time. And then when it actually comes to implementing them, you know, the right thing is not in the right place to support it or the fixing for the TV is put here, but actually it would have been better over here. You know we would like to get styling shelves in here, but we're gonna need lighting and there's no fixing now for the lighting. So really a lot of people who would come will say for a consultation who would just kind of want an hour of your time to look over your plans, that alone can can get that right, you know, that just that that sense check on is is this all working? Because you can have that conversation. You can say uh, listen, how do you, you know, do you see a corner sofa in this place? Do you like corner sofas? Are there going to be grandparents using this space a lot? Because they're not really going to like a corner sofa. You know, should we kind of do this sort of furniture arrangement? And it forces them to think about, whereas they were going to be very happy to kick this down the line until they lived in the space and figure out what how this room is going to work. So I would kind of force everybody to have a full general arrangement plan of every room in their home, Uh, Regardless of whether it's going to be done now or in 10 years time, the entire plan has to work properly. Um, before you can embark on a build. And it does disappoint me sometimes when I when I see plans and there's not a stitch furniture on it. Because <laughs> I'm like, well, how can you do anything without yeah. furniture? How can you plan where your fixings are going to be? How can you plan your, you know, there's just, you can't do anything without. So your, your furniture plan is the first thing that we would always do. Your general arrangement, we would call it, because it covers both loose furniture and all your fixtures and fittings. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important thing that you have to do. It's your first port call. I would say, and that this is not everybody's style, but I would do that before I would even have a conversation about what the house is going to look like.
1: Yeah, and I think it's highly personal. So if you yeah. just leave it, like architects will often do like a first draft of like where all the lighting should go. But everyone, I think, needs to look at that really closely and be able to read it and say like, okay, well, what really annoys me in my current house? The fact that I have to yeah. come down the stairs before I go to bed to turn off this one light because there isn't a switch at the landing. I hate that the entrance for my attic is in this awkward way. All these little things that need to be considered at the very outset and they impact your furniture. Absolutely. Because if you're like, oh, well, I I want a sofa there, but I decided that that actually doesn't fit. I I want a corner sofa that doesn't fit with this door. So I think that is really uh, important. And people just think of style and not necessarily the like size of things so they're yeah. like oh yeah we definitely want a sectional but they haven't looked at where the sectional is going to go.
2: Yeah, and, and neither is anybody else. You know, very yeah. often if um, people are engaging with an architect and their budget is not strong enough to kind of support them and um, taking the architect through for to the to the better end, we'll say, um, then the what they've been provided with is largely indicative, you know, an indicative lighting plan, an indicative furniture plan. And th- you know, it, it often isn't what is going to be right at the other side of it. I mean, lighting. Is oh, lighting is so important. Um, it doesn't really come out in Instagram and Pinterest because usually the lights are off, but lighting is everything in your home. Um, like we live in northern Europe. Um, it's it's grey for at least six months of the year, if not more. I mean it's July now and it's very grey today. Um, so the lighting is everything, you know, how your home is lit is everything in Ireland and we, I think it's it's the, the the tide is kind of shifting again. Um, I think we we went a bit too stark for a while when contemporary design sort of came into the um the four I suppose the spotlight era, the spotlight. Yeah, <laughs> we all aspired to have Australian style homes and light, 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 natural light was everything. And you know what I try to talk about is pulling that back a little bit now because yeah. you know all these roof lights, it's
1: terrible for heat loss. Also, it's, yeah,
2: there's that as well. But uh, you know, just for mood, you know, when there's a lot of roof lights, you know, when people are people are obsessed with um with getting natural light, I think when they come from a dark house, you know, everything is about getting as much light as possible. But I would say that it's also important to have mood, and we can destroy the mood by having too much natural light. You know, Mm. because we are, for the most part, if it's a roof light looking up at grey cloud, and then you don't need lights because it's still bright. You know, it's still a bright day. We we don't need unnatural light, we'll say. But there's a um, warmth to a bulb, you know, that you might want that we're all used to in Ireland because we're used to the rain. We're used to smaller, cozy rooms. That is actually the mood we love and enjoy. But we've kind of taken that away, pull the rug out from under our own feet if we have too many roof lights, because then that, that mood is just taken away until it's dark, you know, or you can't engineer the mood. So I would always be a fan of very carefully looking at the balance of natural light and artificial light and, and making sure that that's right.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's a really good reminder because I think still the way extensions are being built is glaze everything. Glass yeah. box, glass box, yeah. glass box. And then also you're missing out on wall space. Absolutely. Uh the second you make everything glass. First of all, you can't put a pendant. Yeah. You can't put a shelf where there's no switches. So there I think lighting is another opportunity. I know we've been talking about avoiding bland interiors. And lighting is a place where somebody could definitely take some risks if yeah. they, you know, if they've if they've showed some restraint with a kitchen, the like a pendant over an island is an amazing way to make that. The feature moment, and also uh, one place to pull back. So, like, save on your stone top, but instead do a feature pendant, which is going to be actually probably cheaper.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a great way to do it. So you're you're you know you're ticking two two boxes all in one. There, you're getting the mood. And you're also getting the features. So some lighting is decorative. It's your jewellery in a room, um, whether mm-hmm. that be over your kitchen island or it's in your sitting room. And, you know, people might say, well, we never turn on the the big light and lots of people you don't. But actually, it's there for a feature. It's the jewellery that that space needs. So uh, oftentimes they're the jewellery pieces. Other times they're hidden. You can't see them, but they just are creating the the mood in a room. And then lights that are generally in and around your eye level are the ones that you're going to feel cozy beside.
1: So wall, wall lights and table lamps.
2: Wall lights, table lights, floor lamps, all of that sort of thing. And task obviously is important as well. You know, task lighting in certain areas, like I would, not a huge fan of um, having a lot of down lights or most people call them spotlights, but they are important as well. You know, they're important for circulation areas in your home and key key traffic areas in your kitchen and that sort of thing. So they they still are important. It just has to be, it has to be audited. I think, you know, even if there is an indicative lighting plan there, it it needs, first of all, the layer of general arrangement, and then the lighting design layer needs to go on top of it and really carefully considered.
1: Okay. So tell us, I know there's a, a another project you kind of wanted to to tell us some some lessons from. I think it is your you're working on a new build where the your clients have are relocating from an older property. So they want, uh, and this is, I think, the case with a lot of people who are buying new builds and developments, kind of moving out of out of Dublin. I know a lot of yeah. people doing this. So they love the convenience of it. It's A-rated, ready to move into, but like your clients, it's like how to make it how to how to add character to that.
2: Yeah, so this this is a lovely project actually. We've really lovely clients who are retiring and um they've spent the last 20 30 years of their life in a fabulous fabulous period listed conserved property. Um and they're moving to a new build a contemporary new build you know and again great architects working on this project as well it's a beautiful site location but I think like for us the challenge here was how do we move these guys from you know those smaller rooms those um, eating room red sitting rooms and dining rooms to a white wall new build you know how is that going to work how how are they going to feel like themselves in that space or feel like this is their personality and you know they had a lot of artwork a lot of and um, antique furniture pieces, you know, how do we make all this work? We, we've we got to inject their personality in this contemporary new build, but we also can't destroy the architecture by just ignoring it, you know. So it has to be a real hybrid of style. So yeah, I think that we feel quite comfortable in this sort of space because we like detail ourselves, you know, so things like we're bringing in some you know, cradle type features and and warmer finishes, quality materials. I think classic materials, things like that, and uh, and we're also kind of reinventing some classic elements in a contemporary way. So for example, in the sitting room, it's it's like a mono pitch. So it's got a, one, a ceiling that on one side, it's higher mm-hmm. than the other. Um, and it, so it's quite sharp. And um, what we've done is we've run a picture rail right around the room, which is going to, in a contemporary way, display all their artwork, you know, in, in again, a very contemporary way, but a picture rail is a very traditional yeah. element. And um, so it's things like that, how we're sort of just trying to reimagine older design styles that we can bring into the space, use their existing portfolio of art and antiques and all of that sort of thing in the right way. And for it to feel like their home, their inherent space, their heart, you know. Um, so it's, it's really interesting. We're, we're just really embarking on this project. We're kind of only a couple of months in. But it's been really interesting to to have these conversations and to to figure out, you know, how, how do we make this space right for them? And I think that that type of thing does come up a lot. As you say, people are moving into because they want to benefit from a rating and, you know, efficient cost of living in terms of energy bills and that sort of thing. So it, it's 100 percent the right thing to do in many, many ways. But then, you know, your heart might lie in a Georgian mm-hmm. Um, drafty, <laughs> rickety building, which, you know, is is really hard to see. And we're not trying to emulate those spaces, you know, like we're, we're, they are what they are, and they're beautiful and always will be. But we're just trying to create something that, um, you know, feels right for them.
1: And those clients, I'm sure they had beautiful pieces of period furniture as well. So yeah. did they sell some? Are they keeping most of it? How are you bringing that in with with the, the kitchen and with other fitted furniture.
2: Yeah, we're, we're cataloging at the minute. We have a lot of it cataloged. Um, there's too much of it to to use. You know, there's just far too much of it. They, the property that they're coming from is quite vast. So we just have to choose the right pieces, which is nice because it's almost like you have this yeah, you've got a catalogue to sort of pick and mix from, you know, in yeah. terms of artwork and, and beautiful furniture. I want to
1: see that catalogue. Yeah. <laughs> <I> know, yeah. <laughs>
2: it's, so, yeah, it's it's interesting um, to, to make it work, but it it just it has to be right. You know, it's, it's still going to be a contemporary, but like lots of glazing, lots of sharp lines and all of that sort of thing. So we just have to be careful. So it's certainly there's a design challenge at every corner, at every turn. But it's it's hugely interesting.
1: And with a project like that, given that you're bringing some antiques and that your clients are are of another generation would you go a little bit more classical with the detailing on the kitchen for example not
2: necessarily I think what I found actually with people who are say retiring or you know going on to their second or uh, third home that um they actually really want to take away detail that they're used to having the skirting boards and the moldings and they're sick of cleaning them you know
1: and (laughs) and
2: they actually want to pair it back they've gotten
1: more practical
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they just want a kind of easier way of living and that doesn't necessarily mean a lot of detail that often means cleaner lines, taking all that away, you know, they've paid their dues on that sort of thing. And I would I would almost say that that's nearly exclusively the case for people who have kind of been through um, one or two rodeos when it comes to living in a space. So yeah, I would I would actually probably be the one trying to encourage them to add a little bit more actually.
1: Yeah. And how are you helping them keep it from making, you know, these safe or, or bland interiors mistakes? How are you helping them layer? Yeah,
2: it's just really interesting. You know, you got to get to know your clients and that does take some time. So um, the first presentation that we um, put in front of them, you know, it was it, it was a miss, you know, not a hit. <laughs> <So> it's kind <laughs> of like, no, no, this is not, these are not the colors that we like or whatever. And, yeah. and that's fine. Like that's, that's kind of interesting in a way in some ways i I probably should have had that conversation a a little bit earlier which i usually (laughs) do but it just kind of slipped by me on this particular occasion and it just happened to not work but it's good because actually all of those colors were quite safe colors for us that we like using you know the autumnals, the dusty shades all of that sort of thing and straight off the bat it was like no we don't like golden colors so that's great in a way because that's now forcing me to think about um contemporary colors that are not so in the in the mix right now you know who's using purple who's using
1: yellow everything is sage green
2: Every, everything is very dusty yeah. at the minute, you know, so it's kind of nice um, to explore that a little bit. And we're looking at baby blue and, you know, those yeah. type of shades that are just not that much out there at the moment. So I think that it's definitely going to bring something different to the project. And that was entirely defined by our clients, which is great. That's what we want.
1: Actually, sometimes clients help you break out of, of when you, you know, we all say yeah. we don't follow mm-hmm. trends, but I think there's a reason certain things are trending. And that's because just as a society, you know, it's like, oh, we went through the pandemic and then we find all these tones really homey and reassuring. Yeah. So it's not necessarily like, oh, it's a trend, it's bad, but sometimes clients don't care about that and they're like well I hate rust (laughs) absolutely
2: and I mean I would always be the one to kind of wax lyrical about not listening to trends because well I don't like to talk about them too much anyway because I don't like to say that anything is out I don't think that's fair to people you know somebody like everybody is talking about grey just being totally (laughs) gone at the moment I still love Mm -hmm. grey you know I still like to use it and and some people have their sitting rooms and their kitchens and everything else painted grey I don't think it's fair to say you You know, oh, that's not right anymore. You know, when they fell in love with it two years ago, you know. So it's things like that. I I don't like that. I think that we should all be open to what's right for us, uh, whether that be what you wear or what's in your home, you know. So definitely don't pay too much attention to trends. It's what's right for you and what's right for you at that time. You know, I I would always say as well that design and your home in some ways is a moment in time. You made that decision that was right at that moment. You can't beat yourself up about the new trend that comes along six months later that you now want Because that's just going to happen every six months for the rest of your days, you know. So it's a moment in time. You loved it when you chose it. It was the right decision. Keep loving it. And if there comes a time when you want to change it down the line, then do it, you know. But I I would say if you commit to something, um, just stay with it. You know, you don't need to kind of keep changing because then some of the design sometimes gets devalued with a lot of the chopping mm. and changing. You know, um, if if there's too many iterations, the essence of what you all might have agreed at concept design stage that was really right sometimes becomes um, diluted or degraded with, oh, I saw this new tile and so I'd love to include it. And then we're trying to shoehorn that or, you know, a square square peg into a round hole or whatever. And it, and it isn't always right. So sometimes that that can be, a little disappointing, you know, when, when things like that happen. Um, so, you know, it's always nice just to really think it through at the time that you're doing that and then just go with it, you know, just that's, what's right.
1: So what about some of these bolder decisions? Do you have any examples recently of where you've worked with a client to make certain choices, helping them steer away from, from the safe? choice
2: yeah um, um there's a project that we photographed recently actually that's currently on my instagram it's um a project just outside dublin and it's a very contemporary house um and it, it was always going to be contemporary from from the outset that was the brief you know it's going to be a contemporary home so it was also it also is a family home you know and young family and um, young clients and um, that are going to grow in this house for for many years to come so it had to support support that as well it had to be comfortable you know so you're trying to bridge That gap, and we sort of um, come up with the idea of um, it's also a sprawling plan. That's another thing, it's all on Mm. one level, so there's lots of long corridors and that sort of thing. And so, you have to try and find the interest within all of these areas again, so it doesn't kind of become bland. So we went with them. Um, we were very careful with the use of materials and color. And, um, you know, in some cases, like, for example, in the entrance hall, there was seven doors in oh the entrance God. hall in a kind of small footprint. So how do you deal with that? You know, how do, how are you going to make that entrance hall look right with seven doors? So we concealed three of them within a, a joinery yeah. wall. We concealed two of them on a black wall. And then we had a feature kind of crittle door alongside the yeah. front door. So That was a way of balancing it and and somehow kind of getting the space to work right. And then, you know, you open one of the doors um, into the sitting room that's completely saturated in blue, for example, like a really deep uh, jewel box sort of blue. And that changes the mood for, you know, you can instantly feel, okay I get what this room is about. I'm going into a cinema type space. I'm going to relax. It's a moody room. And um, so it's things like that, I guess, to, to to use the bold statements for good reason and at the right time, you know. And um, so we did that kind of we dipped in and, and out of different rooms in, in that vein. The, the master ensuite we saturated it in a like a terrazzo style tile and then it broke down the volume of it with a smaller, really dark blue tile as well. And that's juxtaposed then by a, a you know, huge shower window that is, you know, you, you can shower under the mm-hmm. stars or the, the sky, depending on the time of day. So it, it was kind of a project of juxtaposes of light and dark, you know, of soft and sharp as you move through the home to um, to, to get interest where it's needed. Um, and that, that's how we approach that um, alongside very carefully choosing all the soft furnishings so that they were appropriate for the space, that they had contemporary form, but they were still very comfortable and, and just lots of softness to, to, to allow the family to have that sense of comfort in their space.
1: Yeah, I'm actually looking at it here on, on your Instagram Um, It's beautiful. Lots of really nice joinery details and uh, yeah, lots of different tiles. So yeah, you've varied some of the materials there. Is there like a turquoise kind of finger tile?
2: Yeah, there's there's a little bit of that color going Mm -hmm. on as well. That was kind of a fun element in their their guest bathroom. So we used a marble brick tile and, um, all of the showers, like all of the rooms are ensuite, suite um, and, and they all have these dramatic roof lights that are seamless to yeah. the sky. Um, so there's no kind of mullions on the window or whatever. So they really do feel like you're, you're showering under the, in, in the open air, I suppose. Um, so yeah, we, we kind of used a fluted tile then that was able to just accentuate that um, verticality and that sort of thing. And we, and we kind of did, we did different ones in, in different rooms, but um. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun to, to to work on that project. Um and and it I think you could probably see it balances mood and freshness, you know, it's very fresh and some of the photos it looks like it could be in Palm yeah, Beach, yeah. you know. Um and and others it's you know, it's it's the depths of a moody um Irish yeah. room, you know, so it's 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 great. It was nice to be able to um, inject that sense of interest into that project. yeah
1: and, and there's certain risks taken with painting entire walls black and i can see the the exterior yeah. of the is it the extension or the the charred timber the court and steel and yeah
2: zinc. yeah the millboard. yeah yeah it was fun it was it was a really nice project to work on
1: and you can see how those colors have been been brought inside like every bathroom kind of mimics some of the those materials on the outside with the kind of like they're like inky Inky blacks and yes, blues, love
2: it exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's an inky for sure, and yeah, I think it's always nice to get your inspiration from somewhere. I think a lot of the time it's relevant for it to be the landscape, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and the Irish landscape is is interesting. You know, we've got rusty sheds and um, lots of things to look at. Lots of green. We're so lucky when you think of it with the amount of green that we have and so many shades of it. It's beautiful, and um, the autumn is beautiful. So there's <laughs> so much inspiration out there, you know. To support design inspiration but it's not necessarily where your inspiration has to come from as you mentioned earlier it could be from your your clients themselves you know their heritage and um, and and what they've brought to the project how do we imbue that sense of who they are in in their home
1: well I think we will wrap it up on that lovely note so what would be kind of some parting words of wisdom um to help people take some some risks I think what you What you kind of really narrowed down well is people are leaving loose furniture and potentially also Mm. lighting and art um, to be later items, often because of of budgetary considerations. But you really want them to consider them at the very outset, plan and figure out what size of everything you need, either get some help from your architect or your, you know, this is something your interior designer would help you with, or even a friend who knows how to use some basic tools could help you with. And know that those pieces, they don't all have to be bespoke or super expensive, but those are pieces we shouldn't. Just cast off to the future. So, what are some parting words of wisdom on uh, on how to avoid a blend interior?
2: Yeah, I think you've hit, you've hit the nail on the head that that really is it to fully consider the entire space at the time you're planning it, and even if that means you're not purchasing those items for a couple of years mm. or whatever the case may be, to have it fully considered that this is the skeleton of what's going to happen here, and um, we've considered the fireplace detail, we've considered the furniture, as you say, the lighting that it's 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 just fully considered because Uh, what can happen I guess when you're taking on a build project as I said that the fixtures and the fittings and the build elements there's so many decisions that need to be made to get you from A to B that you know the goal is to get in and and anything beyond that feels like something you could kick down the line Um, and that is the case but I think when that happens you end up in a space that you are dissatisfied with because those actually are the areas that you spend your time in you know you can't see the insulation you can't see the wiring (laughs) Um, yes it's how you are are going to um, how the house functions. But you want to live in a space that you've spent this packet of money, I suppose, on. You want to feel like, um, it is the way you imagined it, and it can be, and it might not happen straight away. But for you to ensure that you're not making mistakes, you need to plan it from the very outset, and, and maybe even having an idea of the color, the main finishes, the main concept of the space at an early stage is also a good idea because that allows you to then confidently pick what your kitchen color might be in the yep. adjacent room, or you know, to have a kind of a cohesive. Scheme that's going to work for your house. So just at a very high level, have have a scheme for your home that you feel comfortable with and plan it uh, properly, and you won't go too far wrong after that. Then you know the layers, the layers get easier to add. You know, and and if you say, for example, have a certain color in your kitchen and you want to offset that in your sitting room, or you want to nod to it in your sitting room. It becomes easier to make those choices in a sofa, for example, yep. uh, color or not. Um, or artwork or a jewel piece in your pendant in in the middle of the room those decisions just become a lot easier if you've given it its due diligence at the very start
1: yeah like for example if you wanted a red sofa for some reason it doesn't have to be jarring if you've brought in you know a runner with some with lo- loads of colors in them including red and you have a feature piece of yeah. artwork that has it it won't seem like a shock like basically if you can reduce contrast it doesn't have to be scary yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Susan. So if people want to follow you and, and learn more about you, I know you mentioned you offer like a one hour consult. I think that can be really helpful for people who may be on a budget for the renovation, but could still benefit from, from that kind of other set of eyes, looking at things from an interior's point of view.
2: Yeah, we, we have a couple of different services. We obviously offer a full design service, which is um, includes furniture procurement. So that is from start to finish. We also offer e-design services, which which is kind of, um, we give you all the information, but you can take it forward yourself. So it just involves a little bit of legwork um, from, from the clients if they have the appetite to do that. And it's a little bit nicer on their pocket. Um, and then, you know, at the other end of the scale, we do um, on the spot advice type services, which would be in the form of maybe a consult or a workshop or a meeting. And again, they're very ben- beneficial. You know, we, it doesn't have to be us. Any interior designer really who can give you advice for an hour on a project that you're embarking on is worth the investment.
1: Amazing. Thanks so much, Susan. So your Instagram, if anyone wants to follow us, is- Ashen and cloud. So that's Ashen, like A S H E N, and cloud. And your website is the same.com. Thank you so much, Susan. Looking forward to seeing um photos of the Irish Farmhouse project and continuing to follow along with your lovely projects. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Jenny. It's been fun.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Interiors Podcast. To learn more about our guests or anything we mentioned today, please refer back to the show notes. You can also follow along with us on Instagram at The Interiors Podcast or on my Instagram account, Tanya Newfeld Flanagan. If you enjoyed the podcast today, please subscribe, follow, leave a review, and share the podcast with friends and family. Thank you so much and see you here next time.